This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Supressurization solenoid switch on. Confirmed. Connect coolant hose. Coolant uh, pump on. Confirm flaw. We're going to uh, wait and confirm after suit up. These guys are about to test a spacesuit. But this is not a recording of a NASA lab. This is Cameron Smith's ground floor studio apartment in Portland, Oregon. That's Julie Sabatier, also from Portland, Oregon. She's a creator of the public radio program and podcast called Destination DIY. Do we have to say what DIY stands for? Sure, it, it stands for do-it-yourself. You might think building your own spacesuit at home is a little extreme on the DIY spectrum. If you do, I totally agree with you. It is pretty crazy. We've talked about a lot of kinds of do-it-yourself projects on Destination DIY. We have a very broad definition of do-it-yourself. From being your own lawyer to DIY funerals way beyond the crafts and home improvement projects that might first spring to mind when you hear the words do-it-yourself. And this is definitely up there with perhaps the most daunting of DIY projects that you could imagine. Sure, there are commercial companies like Virgin Galactic and Xcore creating their own space gear, and they are DIY in the sense that they aren't NASA. But Cameron Smith is handcrafting his spacesuit. Under the suit, I wear a pair of long johns. I sewed some socks onto them so that they don't slip up on my legs when I push my legs into the pressure suit. Uh, And I sewed, I think I have about 25 feet now, of plastic hose that's sewn into the suit. And ice water circulates through there and it keeps me cool. And that's absolutely critical. It gets so hot in the suit that you would pass out. I once had a temperature in there, I think, of uh, 117 degrees. But uh, it's it's really crude. You should see it. uh, You know, I don't have a sewing machine. So I just sit on my bed and I watch... A movie or something and, and just do it by hand. He's not kidding. The sewing looks like something out of Frankenstein. The second layer of the suit is called the pressure bladder. It's basically forming a bubble around Cameron's body to hold the air in. The third layer goes over that, and that's the pressure restraint layer. And that's made of panels of non-elastic mesh. It looks like a, like a cargo bag, sort of. So those are sewed over the pressure bladder. Because if you were to blow up just the pressure bladder, the suit that that contains the gas, it blows up into sort of like the Michelin Man. And you you could survive, but you couldn't do anything. You couldn't bend your arms. You would be in kind of a spread eagle position just sort of floating there. You couldn't do anything. Total cost of Cameron Smith's spacesuit? 2,000 bucks. Around one hundredth of one percent of the cost of the latest NASA spacesuit. This technology over the last 40-odd years has become much cheaper, much more available and better. You can essentially build a do-it-yourself space program today, and uh, now, luckily, I'm part of that. Cameron is not an astronaut. He's not even an engineer. He's actually an archaeologist. He's on faculty in the anthropology department at Portland State University. But Cameron is an explorer by nature. He's been diving in Puget Sound, survived Arctic winters in Iceland and Alaska, and summited Oregon's Mount Hood more times than he can count. The spacesuit is his latest and most ambitious project. Showing that it's possible to do it cheaply is, I guess, my part of this larger movement of opening space up to many rather than few. The spacesuit has been three years in the making. You only have to look around Cameron's tiny apartment to see how committed he is to this project. Instead of hanging art on the wall, Cameron has each of the suit's three layers hanging side by side next to his bed, 
which is surrounded by bookshelves crammed full of NASA patents and other research materials. His living room serves as the staging area for the gas canisters and the gondola where he tests the suit. Eventually, he wants to connect that gondola and all of the life support gear to a balloon that will take him 50,000 feet in the air. He is also sewing the balloon himself. At 50,000 feet above the surface of the Earth, Cameron will experience space-like conditions. And that means he'll need his suit to protect him from extreme temperatures and decompression sickness. And that's what you get from going from sea level to high altitude, less pressure, and you decompress. Your body starts to swell up. Nitrogen bubbles in your tissues start to come out of solution and they give you the bends. It's just what uh, divers get, decompression sickness. A suit with even three pounds of pressure per square inch can keep a person healthy at high altitude conditions. And that's just about what Cameron's suit holds on a good day. He's worked hard to try to close off all the leaks, but it's an ongoing process. And Cameron knows what you think of this. I really didn't want people to think I was crazy. And I was, I was really worried about that because, you know, when you say, oh, a balloon and, a, and an open gondola underneath it, the first thing people think about is they say, hey, do you remember that guy who went up in a balloon in a lawn chair? <laughs> right? Lawn chair Larry, crazy dude. That's exactly what people think. But not everyone. Cameron has attracted a small team of student volunteers who are committed to making the technology of space travel more accessible. In the spring of 2013, they started doing weekly tests. Shipbox, BG levers, one, two, and three open. BG levers, one, two, and three are open. They check off items on an exhaustive list, making sure the breathing gas, pressure gas, and suit coolant are all in place. The most expensive part of the suit, and the only part of the suit that Cameron didn't build himself, is the Soviet Air Force helmet he bought on eBay. The helmet is an exception to my general rule of, of, you know, I want to build it from things that you can easily access or basically not use things from the production system, typically military production systems that have already sorted out all the problems. I didn't want to do that. I want to solve the problems myself. Why? I mean, why reinvent the wheel? These problems have presumably been solved by other people, obviously, because people have been in space before. Uh, that's a great question. Why reinvent the wheel? Why redo the... It is an incredible thrill for me personally to beat my head against a problem and I can't figure it out. And then one day I'm walking home or I'm on the streetcar and it's a eureka moment. And it's so thrilling. Ah, I got it. And I have to almost run home and build the thing and see if it works. So for me, you know, it's an intellectual adventure. It's, oh my gosh, can I figure out the math? Can I mix the gases properly? Can I make this thing hold pressure? Can my mind, can I with my mind, solve these problems? So it's a lot of fun. When Cameron puts the suit on, he starts out on the floor. He has to wriggle and shimmy his way into the suit's outer layers. So right now, I'll just put my leg up like that and Ben can start getting my foot down in there. Ben, I blocked the inhale valve on the ONM. You can inhale, but you can't exhale. Uh, it's a minor problem. We will fix it. That doesn't sound like a minor problem. <laughs> what I mean uh, is that uh, the mechanism is so simple that I believe it can be fixed. We just haven't got the solution yet. It turns out Cameron isn't the only one on the metaphorical floor wriggling into his homemade spacesuit. I could actually start a whole new radio show just about the DIYers who are trying to get themselves into space. There's this Danish company called Copenhagen Suborbitals, and they're building rockets and space capsules in an abandoned shipyard in Denmark. 
7, 6, 5, 4, 3. These guys have the goal of suborbital flight in mind. Like Alan Shepard, they'll just go up and come right back down again, rather than orbiting the Earth like John Glenn. Copenhagen Suborbitals and Cameron Smith, the spacesuit guy, they've actually been working together. Christian von Bangston is the co-founder of Copenhagen Suborbitals, and he's talking to Cameron about building suits for them to use once they're ready to replace their crash test dummy with a live human being. Christian's approach to building his space capsule is right in line with what Cameron is doing with his suit. A lot of the stuff we're buying is, you know, the Danish equivalent to Home Depot. Take, for example... The heat shields. NASA has used some pretty fancy materials like reinforced carbon and high-purity silica fiber to create heat shields for the shuttle and other vehicles. For the space capsule, we have a a heat shield made of of cork, which is just uh, bought at a local carpet shop. Did you say cork, like C-O-R-K? Exactly. And a lot of people find it funny that we use cork as a heat shield, and it might be a bit funny, but it's the perfect solution for it. What would be the wood-based equivalent of steampunk? Tree punk, uh, bark punk, wood punk, arbor punk. Arbor punk. I like that one. Anyway, both of these examples may, on the surface, seem as removed as possible from the sleek, polished, and perfectly engineered products of NASA. I mean, they're heat shields made out of cork. (laughs) But they all possess the same problem-solving genius needed to allow humans to exist in an environment where no human has any business being. One of my favorite scenes in any movie is in Apollo 13, when the ground-based crew realizes that they have to adapt these square carbon dioxide air filters from one part of the ship to fit into the round carbon dioxide scrubber in another part of the ship, or all the astronauts will asphyxiate and die. What about the scrubbers on the command module? They take square cartridges. The ones on the limb are round. <laughs> Tell me this isn't a government operation. It just isn't a contingency we've remotely looked at. Those CO2 levels are going to be getting toxic. Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole. Rapidly. That's the sound of the NASA engineers throwing all the available materials on the spaceship on a table. We got to find a way to make this fit into the hole for this. Using nothing but that. Let's get it organized. Okay, okay, let's build a filter. Better get some coffee going too. So when I think of Cameron, I think less lawn chair Larry and more 60s engineer sporting the horn rims and the short sleeved shirt with a tie. He's scattering the parts across the table and attacking the problem. When I have to design something very specific uh, and I have to look to how other people have done it if I can't figure it out myself, almost always it's the Russian spacesuits that I'm modeling after. They never had as much money, and so they had to do things in a more inventive way. Whether you're in a garage, or at a big company, or in a gondola at 50,000 feet, the design process is the same. Research, express the prototype, test, and cycle. But with Cameron's project, the stakes are significantly higher. It would be so embarrassing to get killed in it, you know. So um, I'm going to make it work. Notice that he said embarrassing in that sentence, not terrifying. Which, to me, sounds just like an astronaut. (laughs) 
99% Invisible was produced this week by Julie Sabatier, creator of the public radio program and podcast Destination DIY. The show is currently fundraising on Indiegogo to produce more stories of makers, builders, and offbeat creators. If you want to pitch in like I did, you can do a search on Indiegogo for Destination DIY or go to DestinationDIY.org. One of the rewards packages includes a really great set of zines on how to make radio that I think many of you will enjoy. The program is Destination DIY. Search for it on Indiegogo. 99% Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 local public radio KALW in San Francisco and the American Institute of Architects in San Francisco. Support for 99% Invisible comes from the generous, and I'm guessing extremely attractive donors to our amazing Kickstarter campaign and the good folks at Squarespace. The all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio, I can personally vouch for how easy it is to create a website using their drag-and-drop tools. You're thinking about dragons, aren't you? It's really easy. But if you ever have a problem using Squarespace, they offer 24-7 support. The customer care office is nicknamed the Care Bear Lair, which is insane, but illustrative. You can sign on for a free trial now, but if you decide to purchase, use the offer code INVISIBLE12 and save 10%. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code INVISIBLE12. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Support is also provided by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. My boy Maslow always has something to say. He believes Cameron left off something very important on his spacesuit. On two arms on the back, there's little guns with ladles. And there's a belt that holds a laser gun. Then there's a little robot dog that has lasers out of his eyes. What can I say? The suit's got to have lasers. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter. From the great people behind MailChimp. We are distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange making public radio more public and more interesting for those of us who love listening. Find out more at prx.org. You can find the show and like the show on Facebook. I tweet at Roman Mars. Sam tweets at Sam Listens. Avery tweets at Truffleman. That's the E before the L. But right now, on our website, we have a couple of really fantastic pictures of Cameron's homemade spacesuit. It really is a work of art. Check it out at 99pi.org. All the music in this week's episode was composed by a band called Melodium, which I have put on the radio more than any other artist. And uh, he confessed to me recently in an email that he wasn't sure if it was worth making any more music. So let's all go buy everything of his on Bandcamp, shall we? The one-man band is called Melodium. We'll have a link on the webpage for this episode. So that's a lot of calls to action, so I'm going to sum up. Go support Destination DIY, make yourself your own website, uh, send out an email newsletter, and go buy and listen to everything from Melodium. If you do all those four things, your life will be better. Thanks. Thanks. 